0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 113 of Operation Retro Shock. It is the 18th of June 2018. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and back alongside me, as always, is. Uh, it's Chris Vent here um, with the Time Hop update.
1: WrestleShock is available on iTunes now. Alan and I cover a Macho Man Mania Madness. Basically, we cover his WrestleMania moments. If you enjoy this, hit up our friends at Total Wrestling Show who he did a full retrospective. Retrospective, dig it, and that was from uh, seven years ago. Wow! Yes, just seven like it was ago. yesterday. Yeah. Um. Kerry, give us the
0: weather update. It's grey and dull, and the sun has finally gone. It's a uh, typical Northern Ireland weather, but it is meant to get better on Thursday. It's meant to be sunny and cloud Thursday through Sunday, and then from Monday onwards, full sun. So back up to twenty-one degrees Celsius. You're welcome. <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> you did not expect that response, did you? I honestly don't know what to say to that.
1: <laughs> uh, before we get started with this, um, the um, London Film Comic Con have put up this Facebook post saying, amazing guest announcement this Wednesday at 7pm. This guest is considered royalty by many from the 80s and 90s. This is their first ever convention appearance and someone we've been trying to get f- to an event for over 10 years. Who do you think it may be? From the 80s? 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s TV show? or It doesn't is the, say. Is that, 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 that the only that's, that's basically. Because I thought David Hasselhoff because he played Michael Knight. Right. Knight, but then he's done appearances and stuff. So another th- fact I'm thinking is Roman Atkinson. Mm. Because, obviously, he was, you know, Johnny English, he yes, was that know, makes Black sense. Adder, Mr. Bean, plus the fact they have Tony Robinson there, mm-hmm. and another one I was thinking was James Earl Jones, because, obviously night in coming to america you know mufasa fasa, etc. Yeah. so uh, i will find out wednesday
0: and then uh, whenever we oh it's we a penalty can, we can talk about it on uh, episode 114 next week when we do a retro shock news for oh, all you lovely yay. people but yes if you are wondering folks what chris was ooh and an about is we are recording this while the england match is on uh, in the world cup and Tunisia just scored their penalty to equalize oh dear Sorry if you haven't watched the game yet, folks, but spoilers. Um, But, Chris, do you care to tell people what this episode is about, even though we revealed it last episode?
1: (sighs) Well, we're here to talk about a movie that is dear to my heart and probably Alan's heart, um, which I actually have the American one, because the reason why I got this was it actually folds out kind of like a briefcase, but the inside thing, instead of opening sideways, actually opens like a notebook. Ah! So... This has been one and then there's a Delightful. <laughs> yeah, Jessica Rabbit signed photo and Roger Rabbit
0: as well. I haven't actually looked at them before. You could, t- you could take those to a, a Comic Con in the future if uh, any of the voice actors happen to appear and get them signed properly. That was my plan originally, <laughs> was whenever I was going to meet Christopher Lloyd for an autograph, I was
1: going to get him to sign the notebook. Right. But um, because I never got to get an autograph from him, I didn't do that. But yes, we're here to talk about Who Framed Roger
0: Rabbit. Which is celebrating its 30th anniversary in just a few mere days yes, from exactly. us recording this. Um, when you hear this, obviously it's going to be the 19th of June, so it's going to be even closer to that anniversary. But it's the 22nd of June, 30th anniversary, which is absolutely
1: crazy to me. It is. It's so crazy to think about how long this movie has been around for. And because it's been around for a while, obviously, you know, we've seen it at different times. So what's your first memory of watching this movie
0: wow i'm trying to i'm trying to remember exactly i know when mine when i first watched this. i know mine 280 of oh. i don't know right. the exact year but i know the circumstances about why i ah, watched okay, it okay okay well yours will probably be a bit more interesting than my response there. not really um mine will have probably just been because obviously i was a slightly younger age well it came out before i was born anyway so um i still find that weird <laughs> when watching it, doesn't doesn't feel like it because it, I remember watching this non-stop. Yeah. During my childhood, it's just one of those movies that I would end up putting on. And I'm also trying to think, actually, I know I'm on a bit of a tangent here, whether I saw this before I saw Back to the Future. Okay. So in terms of seeing Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. That, you know, after you mentioning them there. But yeah, it probably for my first experience, probably would have been just a random Saturday morning or something like that, that... Uh, it was either on one of the Cartoon Network channels or something like that and I watched it there and absolutely probably blew my little mind yeah. with all the different cartoon characters that were in it. The reason why I watched it was we,
1: Dad, Andrea, my sister and I rented out the video yes. for it and normally on Sundays, you were talking about in the last podcast, <laughs> that, you know, Sunday dinners, my mum was in hospital with uh, having a hysterectomy mm. so my dad was watching out of watching out us he hired out this video and we had burgers and chips for dinner. So Delightful. That's, 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 that's a proper dad dinner? Yes, it is. It's just like, I can't be bothered cooking. Your mum's not here. <laughs> Let's just get, you know, like some fish and, you know, like burger and chips. Let's watch a movie and sit all down together. So that's my recollection. I don't know the actual year of whenever I was out, whenever I watched it. But being on video would have been maybe six months, a year after the movie yeah. was released over here. So...
0: I think I. That's another thing that always. I don't think kids nowadays. Oh, here's the proper old man thing going uh, here. And that's Alan speaking. Not is, me, by the me way. I don't think kids would realize how quickly things come to DVD and Blu-ray now, and di- yeah. and even digital earlier than that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because as you exactly say, like I have distinct memories, and it's something we'll really talk about down the line. Off the original Toy Story
1: mm-hmm.
0: and went and saw it in the in the cinema, and it felt like absolutely forever. It was 1995. No, uh, just, it was Toy just Story.
1: Keep, no, we keep talking because there's it was eight years ago today that Toy Story 3 was released. Just while you said that, that's
0: what I was just wow, wondering. that's eight years, what yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I remember going to see it in the cinema. And it just felt like an absolute age mm-hmm. until I got to watch it, you know, back at home. Yeah. In the comfort of my own home. Um, so yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit would have been at least six months to a year. Yeah, t- it took some time. Now, obviously,
1: I'm a bit older than you by a significant mile. By a hair. Was... <laughs> Oh, don't mention that. Was this the first time that you had seen a blend of live action and animation? Do you remember watching this first and then Mary Poppins after this? or Because Mary Pu- Mary Poppins is the only one that I can kind of think mix of? this up with because yeah. I can't actually think of any... There was also... Uh, I, I There's know, plenty came after it. There was one called Cool World, which I remember. I No, think, definitely,
0: definitely didn't watch that.
1: I think that had... One of the bald ones, and I think it was Kim Basinger, mm. and and then there were some other ones, but this was these were the two main big ones. I
0: would probably say realistically, I probably saw Mary Poppins first. So would have because just Disney movies were my absolute yeah. thing as a kid. Um, Lady in the Trump, especially believe it or not. Um, I don't believe a, again. It. That's one for down the line. Oh, well. Um But I don't think the kind of cartoon and live action combo really would have hit me in Mary Poppins. To th- at least th- at least from my memory. Yeah, certainly not done on this scale. Yeah. You know, like it was a full film. I think, I think as a kid, when I watched Mary Poppins at a very young age, I'd probably first seen Mary Poppins at like two or three, at, the, at, probably, oh, the, wow. at probably the latest. Um, I'd probably just find, oh, cool penguins. <laughs> yeah. you know, I wouldn't have thought, oh, there's cartoon penguins or whatever like that, but it, it just comes back to what I was saying about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that I think you know I'd maybe seen it a year or so later mm-hmm. and you know as a kid a year makes all the difference at that sort of age and i think then just seeing all of like the characters that i would have been watching in my cartoons at that yeah. time so just the sheer volume and you probably ha- have a point to this at some point but having daffy and donald duck mm-hmm. on screen at the same time as a kid your mind's just like what is going on here right yeah, now you know, and of course, as a kid, you don't realize. Oh, Donald's owned by Disney, and Daffy yeah. is Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, so you don't get that scale of things. Yeah, but because you've never seen them together, you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, to put you know, like for kids these days, it
1: would almost be on the level of Iron Man and Batman having a yeah. conversation. You know, because these were probably big things to kids now. Whereas back then, you know, like it was more Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Donald Duck, you know, like, and they were our main big characters. Whereas, yeah. unfortunately now, I think that SpongeBob is probably more recognised than Mickey Mouse would be. Yeah,
0: you would, you would say pretty much any child born sort of late nineties mm-hmm. onward would SpongeBob would be far more synonymous. With them, that's scary to think.
1: I, I, <laughs> I think I probably would have watched Mary Poppins first. You know, like like you, because it's an older film. Disney's yeah. always a go-to. Yeah, yeah. Because whenever you're renting stuff out or whatever, it it'd be like, oh, you go to the family section. Oh, there's Mary Poppins, or oh, there's Little Mermaid. You know, like because that was my sister's favorite Disney movie. Whereas mine, good
0: movie, good choice. You know,
1: like whereas mine didn't come till probably later. I did enjoy some of the Disney movies, but it wasn't until later on that I really was like, you know, Emperor's New Groove, Tarzan would be towards my favourites. But I just wanted to see about that. Um, now, it won four Oscars. Um, three Oscars were, like, you know, the one, one was for a special achievement award for animation director and creation of Wait, the char- characters, etc. Um, won Best Film Editing, Best Effects and Sound Effects Editing. Um, do you feel that this should have won more? Or do you think that four for, uh, Oscars for a picture of this scale, you know, with it being an animation and live action, is something that, again, that's pretty much unheard of nowadays? Yeah,
0: what you have to take into account here as well is, right, so this was, this was released in 1988, so 30 years ago. There was no best animated feature. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of what we know today, which is basically just the Pixar category. Yeah. <laughs> so, if Pixar released a movie, uh, it wins the Oscar. No. Didn't Baby
1: Geniuses win?
0: Or no, B- uh, Baby Boss Baby? Oh, it got or? a nomination, but oh. it didn't win. God. Um, but I think it's always usually been Pixar or uh, Shrek. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Those have kind of been your main ones that have won, like the best animation. Funny, funny you mentioned Shrek. We can talk about later. But. I think, especially for it being 30 years ago, to get four Oscars was a phenomenal achievement. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could have said it could have been in there for, like, maybe Best Comedy or something like that. Maybe it isn't considered a full out-and-out comedy, but there is plenty of jokes in there. I
1: don't know whether you could have said that Bob Hoskins would have been a Best Supporting role, because effectively he is the main human, but he supported... A cartoon? Yeah. Yeah.
0: character? You know, in, in the whole scheme of this movie, Roger's the main character, mm-hmm. and Bob Hoskins is the support, but, of course, he is doing a lot of the heavy lifting <laughs> in this. <laughs> well, not apart from the gorilla through his like... Ooga booga! <laughs> <laughs> um...
1: Speaking of Bob Hoskins, Bob Hoskins said for two weeks after seeing the movie, his young son wouldn't talk to him. When he finally asked why, his son said he couldn't believe his father would work with cartoon characters such as Bugs Bunny and not let him meet them. Ugh. Would the kids of this generation, that's what we're talking about with SpongeBob and so on, do you think they would be similar to that? You know, like, so if, say, Will Smith, Well, that's a bad analogy because he's got... Right, well, say a big Hollywood celebrity who has tiny children. Yeah. And they they are... Like, David Hasselhoff was obviously in Spongebob. We keep going back to Spongebob. I keep going back to Spongebob. And David Hasselhoff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, like, do you think that kids would buy in to the fact that their dad is with these characters? Or do you think that they would be, oh, that's
0: all made up or, you know... Because I think of it, I technology
1: think, and stuff I these think it days. would
0: depend on the age. So it would, if you were to say, put this down in front of an eight or nine year old nowadays, mm-hmm. they'd probably see through it. Yeah. So it would, because, you know, kids are on iPads now from a few years old. Yeah. So by the time they hit nine, I'd say that kind of mystique would be gone. But if you were to put this down, you know, in the modern age in front of maybe like a four year old or a mm-hmm. five year old. They'd probably be as equally in awe as anybody, like because I still go back and look at the clips, like when I was prepping for this episode and putting together the little video clip that I put with like the tweets and on the Facebook yeah. page and all, and just seeing the parts of the trailer again with some of the key moments in the movie, and you're just like, how is that thirty years old?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: how did they achieve this thirty years ago? And
1: the funny thing is, is that. After watching it, you know it still holds up. Yeah. You know the the comedy is still there. The act, you know, the acting is still there. The characters
0: are timeless. The, the nostalgia,
1: yeah, factor is still there. You know, like so. But that's something we'll but, get on but to. But I think basically what I'm trying well. to say
0: about this, you're saying about would kids buy into? Yeah. It. If I can still buy into it, you know, as a twenty odd nine year old mm-hmm. sort of here today, thirty years on from its release. Yeah then surely kids would still buy into it today also. I would like
1: to think so. I mean, I would love to show, you know, like obviously Lewis and Sophie, my niece and nephew are at that age now where, you know, they'll watch it and they would probably appreciate it for what it is, but they wouldn't go like, oh, he got to meet them or, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. You know, yeah. like they wouldn't buy into that because they're over that age that you've said about. Um, okay, right. Uh, right, this is one that's, I'm interested to see your facial reactions oh, to it right, okay. as well. Okay, Is
0: this one of your facts, is it?
1: This is one that has many facts in it. Oh. And then we go on to another one to do with something else. Okay. But on this here, the special edition DVD, Robert Zemeckis recounts that he had stated in a newspaper interview that Bill Murray was his, uh, was his and executive producer Steven Spielberg's original choice for the role of Eddie Valiant, but neither could get in t- contact with him in time. Bill Murray in turn has stated that when he read the interview he was in public place and he screamed his lungs out because he would have definitely accepted the role. Eddie Murphy was also one but he turned down the role and it's one of his regrets. Whenever you were talking about Shrek earlier on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would we have liked any of these other actors in the role of Eddie Valiant? Um, Uh, Judging by your (laughs) facial reactions by the second one, probably
0: not. yeah. Uh, that's you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. Now, I think the portrayal of Eddie Valiant as it is is perfect and would yeah. never need changed. No, but out of those two, mm-hmm. if there was, if you put a gun to my head and said Alan Wright, <laughs> you have to recast this character in this movie. Even though it's 30 years old and can't be recast, <laughs> And it's between Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I'm going Bill Murray every time. Mm-hmm. So, it's, But the way you were explaining it there about uh, they tried to get in contact with Bill Murray and they couldn't get a hold of him. That yeah. sounds the same as much of his stuff nowadays.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have an agent. Apparently he doesn't have an agent and he doesn't have a phone.
0: So yeah. we can't get in touch with Yet him. Somehow he tweets. I don't know. He must have a computer then. He must do. Some kind. Hello computer. Um, his tweets are actually quite interesting. But uh, I think Bill Murray would have been an interesting and fun choice mm-hmm. for Eddie Vine and would have thought, especially in that time period as well, because you think you're just coming out of that sort of Ghostbusters yeah, era for exactly, Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the improvisation he probably could have done as well... True. ...would have probably been ridiculous, which maybe would have been to the script's detriment in a way because they probably have a set had a set script in mind for what the animation team yeah. were currently working on as well mm-hmm. for the responses of the characters and all so if he improved maybe it wouldn't have work
1: there was something to do with i have to be careful how I word this oh, yeah, right. to do with Jessica Rabbit she hadn't been drawn right. and they basically said <laughs> they basically said to Bob Hoskins picture your ultimate sexual fantasy
0: right okay. and he said
1: what he pictured was actually cleaner than Jessica Rabbit <laughs> 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 so I thought that was that was going to put that in and I thought no see Bob
0: Hoskins is a good man
1: he is yes um, right following on from that I actually wrote that for him, on from that for the role of Judge Doom um, I'm actually going to mention three names here okay Tim Curry auditioned for right, the okay. role of Judge Doom but Spielberg and Zemeckis amongst others find his betrayal terrifying
0: well yeah John
1: Cleese wanted to play the judge as well but they thought that no one would take him seriously because of Monty Python yeah okay and Christopher Lee also turned down the role okay so three very interesting and different yes
0: picks yeah because Uh, obviously
1: you know we've had Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future etc you know like we would had him in maybe other films like I think he was in One Flew Over the Cookies Nest which again was very different but like you said you know like both Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, comic actors, Tim Curry, you know, like, I think, I don't know if it was out then, or, or what, um, yeah. you know, John Cleese, obviously that, and Christopher Lee, obviously, you know, Dracula, etc, so... And big, grand, kind of that sort of Shakespearean classic that would That would almost be like Star Wars with Obi-Wan, you know, so, you know, did, obviously, they had those three names, etc, so... Did they go right with Christopher Lloyd?
0: I think so. And I think you also have to weigh up into this situation as well. As yes, it is that classic pairing of Spielberg and Zemeckis mm-hmm. with this movie. So there is clear history, yeah, between those guys with Back to the Future. So there is. So they knew what they were getting with Christopher Lloyd. Yes. It's a very different Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, it it is very serious but with that
1: element of humour. Yeah. You know.
0: it's it's. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking through those three other guys and I'm like, could I have seen any of those three other guys with crazy wacky cartoon eyes and knives coming out of their eyes?
1: Wee, we're going to kill you, brother!
0: Pretty much that. Um, I definitely can't picture Christopher Lee with it. Couldn't picture Christopher Lee. Tim Curry, maybe. Yeah. So could have seen him having that.
1: Um, because obviously, we had Tim Curry later on with Muppets' Treasure
0: Island. One of my favourite movies. You know we'll what? Do I'll down the line. I will need to watch that for the first time. Serious, I've man? I've never watched that. We should almost do a live commentary on that my sometime. God. That would be good fun. Be amazing. Um, him as Long John in that, absolutely superb. Just his laugh on it. His laugh <laughs> is fantastic. But we're not here to talk about <laughs> Muppets' Treasure Island. Um, I probably if there was out of those three, if I was to pick one, it probably would be Tim Curry. Yeah. Even even though they're they're saying there it was frightening, but he probably interpreted the character. Yeah. In a more really, you know, maniacal, twisted sort of way, which the character is. Yes. You know, when you get everything weighed up and put in front of you for this movie, the character is an absolute loony. ha <laughs> no pun intended. Oh dear. Uh, a loony tune. But yeah, Christopher Lloyd again. It's it's one of those things. It's all well and good sitting here saying, "Oh, oh, I well, so and so would have been good in the role, but it didn't happen." Yeah, Christopher Lloyd, Bob Hoskins made it their own, and you know made their parts iconic in that regard. Speaking of which, to do with just while I remember, I
1: just I, I I know the first name. I'm trying to think of the second name here. Uh, also, a little fact is that where it says who from Roger Rabbit, you'll notice that there's no question mark. Apparently, whenever you put a, t- a question mark in the title, it's considered bad luck.
0: Right. Just in
1: case you're ever wondering
0: about that. Interesting. That's That'll be a case of checking any movies that I happen to get in the future yeah. or see in the cinema, and if there, if it would be worded. As a question. Sorry, just to f- try and find this. F- um, He's being a
1: busy bee and searching, folks. One thing that I would ask you while I'm looking for this is the music, I think, you know, especially whenever Jessica's singing, you know, like, and obviously, you know, you have Betty, Betty Boo.
0: Boo, boo, pee, doo
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of the music? You know, like, again, it's, it's that magic that Spielberg and Zemeckis have of getting this... I have no idea who did the music, whether, you know, like who it was, but it is one of those
0: things that I think goes well with the music. Yeah, well, I think the music very much captures the era Mm -hmm. that the movie's based in, because, you know, it's back at, you know, what would be considered the height of these cartoons. So what was that, sort of like the 40s and 50s? Yes. So, you know, you've got that classic, because I think... The likes, it's the likes of the shots that stand out for me. Yes, you're saying about Jessica Rabbit and the whole singing stuff as well. But even like the little simple scenes were Eddie goes and hops on the back of like the tram car. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, that classic sort of wafting music in the background, you know, that you think you're yeah. in, like an an old kind of buddy cop sort of movie from back, you know, in the black and white days of of movies. And he's like thumbing cigarettes from kids and he's like, oh, don't smoke and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another thing with this,
1: with this script, obviously we're talking about that. There were over 40 drafts of the script. Wow. Including drafts that I've had Jessica Rabbit or Baby Herman as the, as the villain. Um, it's actually to do with um, Jessica's voice who was done by Kathleen Turner. That name rings a bell. I think she was the one maybe from Romancing the Stone. Right, okay. Um, But she was nine months heavily pregnant Right. while okay. she recorded the voice. Obviously they did like some capturing of somebody pretending you know to act yes. in the place but both her and that actress were uncredited from that. 326 animators worked full time on the film. In total 82,000 82,080 frames of animation were drawn, including storyboards and concept art. Animation director Richard Williams estimates that over one, well over one million drawings were done for the movie. Obviously, with technology as it is now, has this been an art that form? No pun intended. Mm-hmm. That we should see back because if memory serves, The Little Mermaid was the last cell shaded. Something like you know, that drawn like,
0: yeah. um, animation. Hearing those numbers is just ridiculous. Yeah. So it is like that sort of thing will be very unlikely to ever happen again. So, well, simply due to technology, as you say, I would love to see this sort of thing back. Disney tried to attempt it, kind of with Princess and the Frog, but again, it still was using technology. Do you think that? the latest Christopher
1: Robin film will be this generation's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Just while it popped in my head there now.
0: Oh, I don't know because, again, they're going to be computer. Yeah. And well, computer yeah, isn't cartoon.
1: Yeah, but we're not going to get... I don't think we're going to get that side. Cartoon, It's cartoon, going to again. be animation it's going to be something like that like a CGI kind of thing
0: the only time you will probably get anything like this again would be if they did another like major Looney Tunes movie oh right in in the mind of Space Jam Jam? or something like Mm -hmm. that even then that movie was hugely based in the cartoon world yeah as well you know it was only bits at the start really where it was in the real world and again Bill Murray then was in that one yep Mm -hmm. see the way it all ties in it it all ties in but yeah you know it's I still think this Christopher Robin movie is probably gonna be quite a shock to even the younger generation because even the younger generation you know when they have grown up again just Disney is the thing mm-hmm. It's Disney is the topic here when they've had TV shows or movies put on if they've had a Winnie the Pooh movie put on it's that old classic cartoon yeah. style so to anybody that has watched Winnie the Pooh over the years that's Winnie the Pooh mm-hmm. it's the cartoon version not this kind of interesting CG, real life looking version. yeah but don't get me wrong, I like it. Mm-hmm. I do like the style, it's different. But it's f- different from what we're accustomed to. Exactly, and it plays into the fact that, spoilers everybody, boys and girls, if you didn't realise this, but the story of Winnie the Pooh, of course, is a boy and his toys just. Yeah. And that's the thing they're going for, it. that they're looking like the actual toys in right. real life. Yes, you saw in the cartoon Eeyore, quite clearly having like a stuck-on tail and things like that. But when you looked at Pooh, really, in the cartoon, it's was like, oh, it's a bear. Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Again, we're getting on tangents, Chris. (laughs) Uh, Well, to bring it back
1: on tangent, obviously we were saying about um, Bob Hoskins and his acting in this because obviously you don't have anyone. This is before. We're hearing that after this movie, he kept picturing rabbits everywhere and he nearly went insane because of this. Now, in order to get in... And then he
0: did Super Mario Bros and went well, fully, probably. Yeah.
1: In order to get into the feel of acting with cartoon characters, he studied his three-year-old daughter playing with her imaginary friends. Okay. So, um, I thought that was a nice little touch because, obviously, kids don't have any barriers, so you can basically do whatever you want, and you don't have any barriers there, so maybe that's... What he needed to do in order, whenever he's like got the handcuffs on and mm-hmm. he's lifting them up, and you just see them levitate, and as well, you know, because there was a lot of things that they needed to do. Like, I think there was something to do with what they, whenever Roger's in with Eddie and the judge comes in, and he's in that room, and the lamps shit is what? swinging back, they had to try and figure out how he's real.
0: Yeah. But it was the same as well for the likes of um probably again one of the, the most memorable scenes in the movie is the sink scene. Yeah. When like the Weasels come looking for Roger at Eddie's apartment mm-hmm. and you know he's trying to hide in the sink. Yeah, it the- sucks. Yeah. And I think it was from watching the special features of the of the movie or something like that, but you see how they did the whole process and all, and I think it was like robotics and different mm-hmm. things and oh, and you just realise how early on this was in the whole idea of this and how much of a good job Hoskins had to do. Yeah. To pull this off because do you- because and I've we have said this sort of thing before when it comes to working with CGI characters or working primarily on green screen uh, green screen sets and that sort of thing. Yeah. If you don't believe the key actor, the real thing in that scene, you're not going to buy the CGI thing. certain
1: to a point of view with Mark Hamill and um, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, and to a certain degree, Chris or Lloyd also had to interact with the Weasels. Yeah. Um, you know, to make them believable. They've got like, you know, what have I said to you about laughing and that kind of thing. And with us talking about, obviously, Zemeckis Christopher Lloyd, Steven Spielberg, Back to the Future. There are four phrases that appear in both Back to the Future Ooh. and this. Do you know any of them, or four, or could you name all four of them? They're not kind of what you think. I knew. I know
0: one of them. If you'd have gave me a heads up, okay, I probably could have figured. I probably could have figured it out. Like if you know.
1: Yeah, but you see, no internet now, so no, that's no, how no you, internet uh, that's how now. How no internet know.
0: now. Trying to think. So it wouldn't be obvious ones that you would think, probably? There's one
1: at the end of the first movie of Back to the Future. Okay. From what I remember. Okay.
0: It wouldn't be something just like, this is heavy or something like no. that in relation to no. that, no? Do you want me to tell okay. you? I go for it. This, okay. is, this is actually, this is quite interesting. So this. the
1: first one is Didn't Hear You Come In. Okay. Uh, second one is You're a Sight for Sore Eyes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Third one is I'm going to ram him, so that must be whenever yeah, he's, Biff yeah, Biff yeah, and referring to a piece of land as far as I can see, farmer Peabody mm. yeah, pine pine trees as far as the eye could see yeah. yeah yeah. So with the I love these <coughs> kind of Easter eggs. Obviously in Indiana Jones we have like Club Obi Wan. There's etchings of R two and three PO and things. Um Is this something that you? Once you've watched the film, you will then go and see about Easter eggs embedded in the film.
0: Easter eggs. I I love Easter eggs. Like, it's probably one of the key reasons why I enjoyed Ready Player One so much. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, it does come in unlike normal movies would do with Easter egg. And wacky you like a frying pan across the back of the head, saying, look, do you remember this? No pain, She's like, no look. pain. She's no like, yeah. like, look, it's a DeLorean, and look, it's Mechagodzilla, and things like that. Whereas, as you say, with, like, Indiana Jones, you'd just, like, the etches of R2 and 3PO yeah. on, like, the Ark of the Covenant, um, and Club of B1, as you mentioned, as well. But it is actually one thing I do. If I've really enjoyed a movie mm-hmm. if it's a movie I come out and I'm like, Oh alright. <coughs> yeah. Or whatever. Maybe not so much. But if it's a movie I come out of and I'm like, I really, really enjoyed that. So of course if it's something like Star Wars or something like that, I'm gonna go and read up on nearly everything I can. Mm-hmm. But <coughs> you know, here in, you know, the little uh, Easter eggs and all are great. Like even in Pixar movies and all as well, yeah. uh, there's always a pizza planet truck in every Pixar movie, so mm-hmm. Like, of course, it appears in the original Toy Story, because that's where Pizza Planet is. But, like, let's go for... Take Wally, for example. It's meant to be the end of humanity, and, you know, people have been forced off the planet because of rubbish. In one of the piles of rubbish is a Pizza Planet stuck, you know, truck sticking out of it. So, very much like that's, like, their Stan Lee cameo of every film, Exactly then. so. But, no, I love Easter eggs. Okay. So, kind of, again, this movie was probably one big Easter egg, because you're like, oh, right, I've seen that movie character because there is some really obscure ones in this as well. Like, you know, <laughs> yes, you get your your Mickey, your Minnie, your Donald, your Daffy, you know, per, uh, Percy Pig and... Porky Pig. Porky Pig, Percy Pig. I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> of the thinking of, from yeah, Marks and Spencer. You are. <laughs> uh, Foghorn, Leghorn, you know, yeah. all these sort of stuff. You know, Tweety Pie, all that, all those guys. <clears throat> so seeing all of those guys and then looking in the background going like, who are the, you know, as a kid, I was like, who are the brooms? And then you realise, oh, that's Fantasia. Yeah you know that sort of stuff Because great
1: I, I don't think they were able to do certain characters like Wally Coyote or Roadrunner and they were like put in the background somewhere from what yeah. I remember but I also remember reading whenever I was a kid that there was like a contract that said that you know like the Disney characters would say yeah. 352 words and then the Warner characters would have to have 352 words Yeah. so then you would have to have the two of them
0: play off each other so then the script needed to be adapted to accommodate I think, parties. I think, I think the key scene where that came into effect actually there's probably two key scenes where that really came into effect was the scene where Eddie is falling. Funny I was just thinking that myself. Eddie is falling and You're it's Bugs say, and Mickey parachuting yeah. down also and saying oh you know here take this and it's a flipping like, blow up ring yeah. and, it's just, and he's like ah. Um, but Bugs and Mickey are talking back and forth to him mm-hmm. and then you've got kind of one of the final scenes when I I was thinking about when the machine busts through the wall into Toontown yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and, and about the, everybody's the, pretty much there Yeah, and you're like having to get the words right mm-hmm. for that must have been an
1: absolute pain in the backside it must have been because then it must have done that and they went like oh and then just have uh, Percy, or Porky Pig, as he's better (laughs) Percy, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Saying that's all, folks, You know, I ain't doing it that way. As I was saying about um, the scripts earlier on, that there was 40 variations of this, I actually laughed whenever I read this, because I just thought this was... I didn't know how they would play into this, but I just thought Judge Doom was revealed to be the one who killed Bambi's mother.
0: I remember hearing this. That's the first I, I, see, see, as a grown-up, now looking back at that, you're like, oh, that would have been so good. That would have been so good. Because um, that's just my wrestling heel mind going yeah. through things. It's just like, oh, that would have been the perfect sort of thing. Yes, he was a bad guy from the start, so it wouldn't have been like a heel turn, but you were like, mm-hmm. oh, that would have been that extra level
1: yeah.
0: of just nastiness of he shot Bambi's mother. It was just like, oh, beautiful. It,
1: unfortunately, with this film, you can't even say... <clears throat> about doing it nowadays because Warner Brothers, you know, like Bugs Bunny, etc. <clears throat> aren't as big in the forefront as Disney are. You yeah. Know, like, obviously, you could have said, like, if you were doing the Disney one now, you could have had characters from Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph and The Lion King and, you know, Disney keeps going on and on, and on whereas you kind of don't have that luxury yeah. with Warner now, which is kind of sad. Warner,
0: Warner have very much fully transitioned into live action as their key properties yeah. which again you have to say have not maybe been as successful as they might have hoped. It went well with the likes of Christopher Nolan with you know his Batman series and all. Mm-hmm. D C hasn't done the best Wonder Woman probably the best success out of that yeah. lot. Yeah totally. Um and they this ain't me ragging on D C or anybody so D C fans out there don't oh, even think it. Figure figures figures don't lie. So but Because don't get me wrong, I would love both Marvel and DC to be absolutely knocking it out the ballpark. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't see the Warner Bros. guys as in the forefront nowadays at all. Yeah. In comparison to Disney, anybody walks down the Mm -hmm. street, you know, immediately Mickey Mouse is going to jump out at them from anything. Yeah. So they are. I'm not saying that. You know, the Warner Brothers guys bugs. Isn't going to jump out at someone? But if you go to Disneyland,
1: one of the first things you see is Walt Disney holding Mickey Mouse's hand. Yeah. I
0: don't know if you have that in a Warner Brothers land. But I find this quite interesting. Well, Warner Brothers land, so to say. When I was over in LA a few years ago, when me and Hill were over for WrestleMania a few years back in San Fran. And we ended up and down in LA. We did the Warner Brothers lot tour. Okay. Very, very little of that even made reference to the cartoons. Wow. Like, outside the studio lot where you went in, you got your ticket, you queued up, you waited to go on the tour around the lot and stuff. There's a statue of Bugs and a couple of the key cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. But, kind of, see, once you got into the store, yes, you'd have, like, a bit of Warner Brothers merchandise and all. But on that tour, right, we obviously were going around the lots. Yeah. No real reference mentioned to the cartoons. It was like, um... This live action movie was filmed here. This live action movie was filmed here. Oh, Big Bang theories filmed there. Oh, do you want to see the live action Batman movie? Mo- you know, mobiles over here. Yep, sure, come see those. Oh, do you want to go visit the, you know, cafe set from Friends? You know, all these sort of things. And you're like, these are all live action. They mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. All those things are very, very nice. Yeah. To see. You know, the live Batmobiles in front of you and the Friends set and all. But you're like, this is a studio that its history is very deeply rooted. Yes. In the cartoons. Yeah. So to not see them as a prominent part nowadays is a bit sad. Mm-hmm. So it is, so. it's weird. Yeah. Um...
1: Uh, I got this for you, Alan. Uh, budgets and gross and things like that. I love but, the money. You know, so the budget for this night, I think they wanted it to be... I think they said it was going to be 50 million. Right. And then they count, They said, no, you'll need to do it for 30 million. And then the budget was then 70 million. Um, it Grossing worldwide was 300... Just a couple of hundred thousand short of 350 million. Right. Uh, so, you know...
0: Is that domestic or full-time? World Full worldwide. It worldwide. doesn't say.
1: It just says gross and then gross by country. Um, Like 15 million um in Great British Pounds and 156 million in the US.
0: Okay, so yeah, it is worldwide then. Yeah. So it is. Which, see, today, that would probably be considered, when it comes to overall gross money, mm-hmm. maybe a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Now, against its budget? No, not really. If you have a $70 million movie and you make $350 million, that's a success, really. Yeah. But that's the mentality nowadays. It's very much... Solo's the perfect example. Now, you can't compare budgets mm-hmm. between Solo and who framed Roger Rabbit because Solo ended up with like a ridiculous 250 million dollar budget because of the reshoots. Yeah, But it, again as a result of this sort of thing, is even though it's probably going to end up with, like, probably, like, $800 million in the bank, it's going to be considered reasonably a financial flop. Mm-hmm. So it is for Disney, when compared alongside other stuff. But when you take the year-end of the account of things as well... Yeah. That's actually a decent number. So it is for, sort of, 1988. Because... All this, you know, two hundred million dollar opening weekend domestically, and billion dollar movies and near two billion dollar movies with the likes of uh, Original Avengers, Black Panther nearly getting there, and you know Star Wars Force Awakens. Those are only a very recent phenomenon. Yes. Oh, totally. We've just become accustomed to like look at this these huge figures. This is, this is the bar yeah, now this, when it comes to movies. This is
1: way before the days of, you know, like, internet and pre-booking tickets and, you know, tickets <laughs> you go have on go and sale. You to go and actually get your ticket at the until You know, tickets go on sale, you know, like, this day and, you know, before you really you got, you know, like, you would have got trailers maybe at the start of movies or on, like, videos, say, but... The trailers wouldn't have been as prominent now. Yeah, you know, like you certainly wouldn't have got a teaser trailer for a trailer for this. You well, would that, have just well, got that, the trailer it, and that's you've, it.
0: You've nailed it exactly. Internet is a key factor here, sort of thing, because back then, as we just mentioned, you wouldn't have been able to pre-book your ticket three weeks in advance mm-hmm. on the cinema website, knowing that your seats there, right, ground, cool. So I'll maybe go a few more times if it's a really popular movie and enjoy it. Back then, it would have been a case of, it was like, it was Star Wars as well. When it originally came out, you know, that's where the term blockbuster came from. Yeah. Was, and it was, it's, again, it's just popping into my mind again with Solo, uh, Ron Harden in an interview, because he said that him and his wife went and saw the original Star Wars, and they'd queued two hours to get in and see it. And they went, saw it, maybe it was over, and walked out, and he says, do you want to go see it again? And his wife was like, yeah, let's go. So they queued for another two hours to go back in. And um, watch wow. the original Star Wars again. So that's the sort of thing nowadays. Now again, I'm not comparing Who Framed Roger <laughs> Rabbit to Star Wars. Uh, I'm doubting there was probably two hour round the block cues for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But if you wanted to see that movie, you had to have the dedication to go down to the cinema and get your tickets. Trailers again, as you mentioned. If I want now, I can go on my phone right now, load up YouTube and type in whatever movie that's coming out in the next few months trailer Ant-Man and the Wasp for example and I can watch that trailer as many times as I want and get myself hyped up for that movie as many times as I want you wanted to see the trailer for Who Framed Roger Rabbit I'm not going to say it's a niche movie but it probably wasn't playing in front of every single movie in the cinema yeah, at that time very true. probably a certain age bracket of movie that it was going to be played in front of but you would have had to go and see that in the cinema Mm-hmm. So there's so many huge factors that you can't take numbers for everything. Yeah. But, and I know we've been yapping on about this for a few minutes, <laughs> but I think on a $70 million budget, three hundred and fifty worldwide overall for that time, it's pretty darn good.
1: Obviously, we've mentioned a couple of moments in the film. If you had to pick just the... You know, your takeaway memory. You're Not takeaway memory. Yeah, but your takeaway moment of the film. So if you were to put this movie on and then you were to show, you know, somebody the movie and you go like, this is my favourite part. Is this part of the movie? What would that be?
0: Um No, there's... That's an interesting question because there's almost two things. Okay. One scene... That I will always take away from this movie that completely... I'm not going to say scarred me or anything like that. It's not that bad. <laughs> but as a kid, absolutely scared the living daylights daylights. I mean, you're probably going to guess what it is here. Is the first time The Dip okay. comes out on screen. Because apparently The Dip is actually made
1: of stuff that actually... You know... Like, erases it actually raises cartoon cells. So, yeah. if they wanted to get that stuff, they would use that almost like an eraser, yeah, to wipe it
0: off. I, I thought that was really, but I neat. remember watching that initial scene. So, that's the whenever head, the the, the he pops the lid off of the, the, the shoe, the boot, yeah, the shoe, yeah, and he just lowers the shoe. It. And it's just the noise mm-hmm. that the shoe's making, like that whimpering sort of noise. that Completely as a kid, I was just like, Oh my lord, this guy is absolutely ridiculously mental right now. <laughs> um, but in terms of overall scene that stands out to me, it probably I probably have to go back to the Daffy Duck and Donald Duck opening scene where you yeah. obviously see Jessica Rabbit in the club because, again, in that club, there's so much going on. We've mentioned Betty Boop, she's a key part, and it's how casually. Eddie kind of responds to her yeah because you and me when we first see this movie we're like this guy's just talking away to these tunes nonchalantly mm-hmm. you know and we're like if I was there, she would like oh, it's a cartoon <laughs> this is amazing this is brilliant whereas he's just like you know hey Betty and da da da, da and you know are you having the same Eddie yeah yeah, yeah. Or sc- scotch and the rocks or whatever I think it is mm-hmm. um, but he says it to the Penguin the Penguin actually brings him with rocks and stuff like that in it <laughs> But no, just that scene with Daffy and Donald when they're playing the pianos and all and they just get into this sort of one-upmanship up, one yeah. with each other and then just start beating all around them in mallets and explosives and rockets and all that nonsense. That's probably the one that stands out most to me. What about you? Mine is kind of
1: shortly after that scene. Okay. And it's one that I, obviously, as a kid, you kind of don't understand. But as an adult, you understand whenever Jessica is talking to... And then they're playing the patty cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, as a kid, you don't understand because you said, no, I'm tired. I don't want to. And go, oh, come on, you promised. And you think other things are happening. And it's whenever Eddie gives Roger the photos... But then he moves the photos in such a way... That it's, that like, it's like a flipboard. That it's like a flip board, yeah. You know, like a flip chart. And then he's m- moving it so it looks like they're playing patty cake with their... Literally. You know, like with their hands. And it just... That always just makes me laugh. That part. And um, I would have to say as well that one of my other favourite parts is... Whenever... Um, whenever they meet Benny... For the first time, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like, and then it's just weird to see him in that, and he goes like, "No, we gotta go this way," and then he puts out his thumb, and then Benny comes in, and then kind of looks at Jessica while she's walking around, and goes, Hubba Hubba and opens the door, yeah, and for
0: I, th- I think as we're probably gonna start just going on tangents now, different things from the movie, but it'd be remiss if we didn't mention kind of the journey that Eddie goes on in this. Yeah, because yes, we find this funny, and yes, it has cartoons and all, but it is a reasonably serious movie in its story. You know, there's murder and all that alcohol- sort of thing, alcoholism and, alcohol and sex and all that sort of nonsense. I like the way the accent of put on there. Sex, sex, um, just a sexy boy. And yeah. the, I actually, I watched the trailer back again when I was prepping the videos and all, and that's what it's you know it says in the trailer. says so like, this is about family, <laughs> friends, love. And sex. (laughs) And of course it shows Jessica Rabbit. Um, Definitely promoted to what it would be nowadays, gents. Um, But the whole story of this primarily comes down to Eddie's brother. Yeah, being killed by a tin. And you see the fact that before his brother was murdered, of course by the Count that we find out by the end of it, um, that they were... Clowns themselves, they kind of, you know, they joked around with one another because you see, like, I think it's a photo of them, like, just out of like Police Academy or something. Yeah, it's to do with
1: him, those two, and Dolores, isn't it? Yeah. Like his main squeeze that runs the
0: bar. You know, and they're there with like clown noses on and stuff like that, you know, and so they were heavily involved in cartoons prior to his death. And then Eddie obviously gets very affected by his brother's murder resents tunes drinks all that sort of stuff that you'd expect and then this is basically the story of him kind of coming back from that as well Mm -hmm. and how much of effect that roger has on him and letting him see the kind of the brighter side yeah of life and him working his way back to being that guy again so i think that's great and one other final thing i'm gonna say is as well the the gun
1: yeah I was going to mention that as well the um, because gun. there was something to do while you mentioned that sorry uh, I'm just going on IMDB because I remember that there was something to do with that gun um and I forgot to mention that um going ahead and talk but about
0: that but that was a that was another link with his brother again so it was because they were so heavily involved with you know private eyeing and stuff like that when it comes to tunes. <laughs> you know, they would have needed the proper equipment and you know a cartoon gun is part of that. But that also links in to Benny as well. So it does cause that's Yeah, um, and the
1: case where Valiant keeps his cartoon gun is inscribed, thanks for getting me out of the hose guy, Yosemite Sam.
0: Yes, that's right. Yep, that's a hundred percent right. So yeah it has a link to Yosemite Sam. Which makes perfect sense, really, when you think about it.
1: And so they had to get a different voice actor for Yosemite Sam because Mel Blanc still did the voice for Bugs and all, but because he was like early seventies, he'd have been he, fairly getting on. He there. couldn't do the Yosemite Sam off voice. Off it. Yeah, yet, you know, so he, they had to get like another actor to do that. Um So they did. So that, I
0: thought, but that yeah, that ho- that whole key scene with the gun as well lines up with Benny as well because that's where. They come out of the tunnel, mm-hmm. and they've put the the dip across the you know the road. Yeah, and, and then he spins he around and stuff, and then so Eddie then gets the gun and goes to shoot. He shoots the bottle of yeah. alcohol in the air and all. Especially that's his moment where he's like, right. Enough, yeah, and then enough with the funny business, like the wee um, tomahawks,
1: and then just tomahawk. Went, yeah, and this hits it, but so. to to round this out I think we enjoyed this yeah I think to round this out we've been talking about this film that was out 30 years ago do you think this will be one that is fondly
0: remembered 30 years from now I hope so it will definitely be something if uh, eventually somehow down the line I decide to get serious in life and (laughs) actually have a family and stuff like that it will be a key part of kind of that that sort of library yeah, that you'll have. You know, yes, all the Disney movies and all that sort of stuff will be there, but who framed Roger Abbott will be a key part of that.
1: I think this is something that people forget because they'll go, oh, I collect Disney DVDs. Oh, do you have a few from Roger Abbott? That's not Disney. It has Disney characters in it. Yeah. You know, so effectively it is a Disney movie. Yeah. um, And that's, it's, it's an integral part of my, you know, because it's something that I, you know, like whenever I was thinking, compound the questions, and I was doing, what's your, there's memory of this, just straight off the bat, because if you remember Nibble Burger down in, <laughs> that's where we got the burgers from, was that. So, because I remember that we used to have the bap, and then the burger would actually protrude out of the bap. It was that big. Um, <laughs> that was always something that we loved eating. But, yeah, just for this, it's just something that I enjoy watching and it's something that I would like to delve more back into the special features of it because I've watched them, but I watched them ages ago um, whereas I should really refresh myself for this whereas yeah. I, I remember some key points but then there was parts that I would like oh, right, well, you know it's like whenever you buy, say, The Last Jedi on Blu-ray the first thing you watch is the special features yeah. not the movie because you've seen it before So if you haven't watched the documentary on that, you need to, because it's
0: very good. It is fantastic. fantastic. But
1: yeah, I think Hoover and Roger Abbott is a stable part of my DVD library. And I think this will be a nice way to remember it is with this episode to do with it.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, I agree. I think, I think, will it be remembered in 30 years? will come solely down to sort of our generation. Yeah. Sort of keeping it alive Mm -hmm. in that regard. I could see it being one, and this might be getting a wee bit dark in that regard, I could see it be one that could slip away very easily. Yeah. If not kind of kept in the hearts of folks Mm -hmm. because, you know, the regular Disney movies that you think of are such a staple of people's minds that they will always be the go-to for folks, as you mentioned, Little Mermaid, uh, Lady and the Tramp, all those sort of ones there even right up to the likes of Pocahontas and Lion King and those Mm -hmm. sort of ones. Those will always be on the shelves for folks for generations and generations to come. I'm sure Mary Poppins is still there. Uh, So it is. So, you know, they're not going anywhere. It would one that maybe just would need a little bit of extra effort from the generations to keep going. Mm -hmm. But I would like to think that class, quality, content, etc. will see it be remembered in another 30 odd years. Okay. Good so well.
1: Well, I'm going to spring something else on you now but because <gasps> He's o- going to spring! Obviously we've talked Point. about this with our next movie. Is there anything you would like to talk about for that?
0: Well, I picked that one. Okay. So realistically it should be your shout in this regard.
1: Well, I'm going to have to think about that because I never actually thought <laughs> about that, so I didn't. How about Muppet's Treasure Island? Okay, are you, are you able to watch it? Do you have a copy of it? Do you I will. A copy of it? I will get a copy of it and I will watch it because I'm off the start of July. So okay. if we could do that, maybe mid July, then okay. then I'll have it watched and we'll okay. we'll we'll, notes. we'll
0: throw it in the mix. So well, um, but it'll be two odd weeks until our next kind of topic show anyway mm-hmm. so well so you have plenty of time to have a wee think about what we're going to do then and you'll probably all find out uh, next week on because next week is going to be the return of retro shock news it's been a short period of time without that um because there's been so much going on with e3 and your trip to london and yeah all that, and then another one coming up well. at the end of july as well yeah, so, yeah, yeah. as well so there will be plenty of chit chat when it comes to retro shock news Usually it lines up pretty well with some interesting news that comes out in the world of pop culture. So fingers crossed, that pays true. So does this coming week. Are we going
1: to do the way we normally do it, where we pick five odd subjects, write them down, and then pick three? Or do you just want to go with what we go with?
0: It'll just depend. Of what comes out. Okay. So, well, because there's no point going, oh, you pick five, I pick five, if there's only really maybe <laughs> two, three good <laughs> yeah. three good things that we like each. There's no point for pushing it too Yet. much. I would much rather, I think, and I think you would agree, that we talk about three good things each that everybody would be interested in, Yeah. rather than potentially an extra two each that folks maybe wouldn't be as interested in.
1: Okay, and I will have who this mystery guest is for London Film of Comic Con then, as well as a couple of uh, key announcements, which happened, I think, last week, um, which I think I said to you about, but I will mention that on air as well then.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to go and light up a doggie um, with baby Herman so I am
1: um, that sounded like you were going to go and not, I'm not going to actually
0: light up a dog
1: oh, right okay
0: it's what he calls cigars all oh, right who framed Roger Rabbit okay okay
1: tits that's fine you do, you do whatever you need to it's, it's absolutely fine
0: mm-hmm. uh, but yes thank you all very much for listening everybody we hope you have enjoyed our little old and 30th anniversary uh, tip of the cap to who framed Roger Rabbit fingers crossed it's maybe put you in the mood to go and actually watch the movie again if you haven't watched it in a few years it uh, it definitely makes me want to go and watch it again even though it hasn't been very long since I've watched it so it is, it is definitely going to be one of those ones that is uh, remembered fondly by me for many years to come but yes as we mentioned Retro shop news next week and then another topic the week after that if you would like to get in touch with us uh, and give us your opinions on the show. Give us your opinions and what you'd maybe like covered on a topic-specific show like this one. If there's a certain movie coming out um, that you want us to talk about in RetroShock News, feel free to do that. Or if there's a movie with an anniversary coming up. We have the anniversaries fairly covered. We have them all fairly noted for the rest yes, of the year. Yes, the the they're over there. So if, so if there's any movie uh, coming out... Uh, not coming out... Uh, that, has a, ma- an that has a major uh, anniversary this year it's probably going to get covered at some point during the year by us So, but if there's one that you're specifically interested in drop us a message, let us know you can get a hold of us on our Facebook page just search Operation Retroshock on Facebook it would be lovely to hear from folks over there because we, we always promote Twitter a wee bit more heavily yes. than Facebook Facebook um, you can write more though This is true. Facebook, uh, you can write a bit more. Uh, I find the messaging system on Facebook will be a bit odd, though, so it it can be a bit of a pain. But we still would like to hear from you over there. Uh, We always post all of our stuff on there as well as Twitter. But if Twitter is handier for you, as it seems with 90% of the internet nowadays, you can get us at RetroShockPod on there. Uh, And you may have noticed I'm doing a little thing now uh, that... Our topic of discussion that week is now going to be in our name. Okay. So as I did it for E3 last week, I just thought this would actually be quite a fun thing to continue on doing. So you'll see Operation Retroshock, and then you'll see like two little microphones, and inside the microphone is the topic of discussion for that week. So if you go and look as of today, well, it could be two years down the line you're listening to this, so it might be exactly (laughs) the same. But if you're listening to this fairly soon after this episode has come out, you will see who framed Roger Rabbit. I just thought it was another cool addition. I'd continue it on from E3. Um, but yeah, at Pod, get in touch with us. Our DMs are open, so anybody and everybody can message us, even if you aren't following us. But why aren't you following us? Please do follow us. But you can get a hold of me at AlanGWPrice. You can get a hold of him at Vinto316. It would be lovely to hear from you. And uh, Chris, we'll talk to them all next week.
1: Yeah, we'll talk to you all next week.